welcome to our show, Sleepover Cinema, where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. I'm Hannah Leach. And I'm Audrey Leach. We are the sister filmmaking duo, also known as Two Pink Pictures, and we haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them. We're going to explore the good, the bad, and the nonsensical of the sometimes direct-to-video movies that first inspired our love for film in an attempt to answer the question, are these movies actually good? And at the end of the day, do we really care if they are? Today we have a very, very special show for you. We are putting two iconic films in the ring together for a head-to-head showdown. Again. We're talking about 2007's Bratz and 2008's The Click. By the end of this very episode, we will have come to a consensus on which movie was a better mid-aughts, brand-driven movie for tweens. (laughs) 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 All right. And boy, do they. <laughs> do they? <laughs> That's why I said it. <laughs> when you said, oh, I was like, I'm out. Okay. <laughs> so in case you aren't familiar, Audrey's going to tell you some of the things that these two movies have in common. Okay, so both Bratz and The Click are based off major pop culture moments of the era. Bratz being a line of fashion dolls and The Click being a series of novels. We'll get into more details on each as we talk about each movie. What else do we have in common? So both movies include plots that revolve around friend groups. One that's evil, one that's very good. Evil being The Click, good being Bratz. The thing that we're most interested in about these movies and kind of putting them against each other is that they are both based off of very popular intellectual property, Mm -hmm. if you will. And in theory, should have been hits, you know, because they had giant, giant, giant built-in audiences. Yes. However, they turned out how they did. (laughs) Which is um, memorable. Memorable. But um, perhaps not widely viewed or cherished. Revered. Yes, not revered. Yeah. (laughs) So, um... I think that it would be important for us to talk about before we get started um, our relationship with Brad's dolls and the Clickbooks. As um, these things were big in like two thousand five, two thousand six, seven, eight, around those years, and we were in—I was like a full-blown tween at the time. It was like middle school for me, but for you, it was elementary school and the beginning of middle school. So, yeah. Brad's dolls. We had a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Like, how many do you think? I mean, we had the tween version. We had the Bratz babies. Yeah, we, we did have two Bratz babies. Many adult teen Bratz. Yeah, we had the pirate ones. Rock angels. Yeah, the best we ones. We thought they were pirates. It's supposed no. to be rock angels. No, we have. Th- oh, really? Yeah. Wait, but they had pirate outfits. They, no, they're ha- no. They wear the costumes in the animated Bratz Rock Angels movie. Well, why do they have pirate outfits? They look like pirates, but they're not pirates. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. You're talking about like the blue and black yes. striped and the pink and black yes. striped. No, wait, I thought that they were actual pirates. pirates. No. <laughs> okay, well, they look 100% like 
Mean Hot Girls. Pirates. Yeah, like Mean Girls <laughs> Halloween Pirates. Like, that's yeah. what they look like. Um, we had those. We had the twins, which obviously were iconic. Remember the Roxy and Phoebe? And Phoebe had the pink jacket. Oh, yes, and Roxy yes, had the leather yes. jacket. Yeah, I had the... I was uh, thinking of the Tweevils and I got very confused. Oh, no, no, no. We're not bringing the Tweevils into this. Yeah. <laughs> We're really moving quickly through this Bratz content yeah. uh, in terms of the dolls. The point is we had a lot of them. We made these really elaborate uh, home... Films. Movies <laughs> with our Bratz when we were still kids. They're highly classified. Yeah. But just know that... We know the, the entire and out. Yes, and the entire genre of experimental film would be quaking at the content <laughs> that we made at that time. Um, anyway, so we love the brats. They were a little bit controversial. Our mom is someone who's very, like, wouldn't let us buy things from the limited because she didn't like their advertising. So I'm kind of surprised that she would let us have Same. brats because they are like skanks. Makes and that's, that's no point. sense, but I love it. Yeah. So that's that. And then, oh, you know, I love the word skank. Uh, and then when it comes to the click books, I was emo in middle school. So I would not be really up here. Allie. I would not be caught dead walking around with one of those plaid books, but I'm Argyle. pretty sure it's not Argyle. <laughs> I think they became Argyle. I think that they ran out of patterns yeah. at some point. But um, I read the first two, I'm pretty sure. And then I stopped. But what yeah. about you? Yeah, I think I've. I know I've read the first one and maybe some after, but it, it's one of those books that I would pick up in the library when I had absolutely nothing else to like. Yes, right. That I needed to read or whatever. Right. They're like they're like popcorn books. Yes. And we'll come back to talking a little bit more about the books themselves when we get to the movie. But, okay, so Brats are big. The Click is big. What else was big in these two years? So 2007 and 2008. Audrey, would you like to take us away for 2007? Sure. So in 2007, the final Harry Potter book was published. Apple introduced the iPhone, the iconic films Shrek the Third, I Am Legend, The Bee Movie, Transformers, and Nancy Drew starring Emma Roberts Wow, came out. And some of the biggest musical artists were Avril Lavigne, Carrie Underwood, Nickelback, Beyonce, Rihanna, The Dixie Chicks, Kelly Clarkson, and Maroon 5. That's a big year. Um, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> I mean, I remember seeing I Am Legend in theaters somehow. Oh, I didn't. I saw it with Allie Miller, I'm pretty sure, who was my best friend in middle school and high school. Um, 2008, the year I started eighth grade, a lot of shit happens. So first of all, it's the year of Britney's comeback after her mental breakdown. Um, she releases Piece of Me and Circus and wins three VMAs. Majorly, Twilight Begins. The Twilight movie franchise begins. So I remember that so deeply. I have painful <laughs> stories about going to see that movie in theaters and my very obviously gay then boyfriend and now current really good friend um, <laughs> rolling around in glee on the ground in the middle of the screening. Well, it was when we showed up and he smacked his head on the bottom of the chair, one of the chairs, and got like <laughs> a Looney Tunes bump on his head. And it was just really um, horrible. <laughs> Uh, because I was like, wow, just in case I wasn't sure he was gay, now I really know. Um, Beyonce and Jay-Z got married. Miley's semi-naked Vanity Fair photo happened. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. She was 15 in that picture. Yeah. High School Musical <laughs> 3. High School Musical 3 came out. Uh, so that franchise came to an end in 2008, which I feel like is good to know. The whole Heath Ledger 
posthumous performance in the dark night happened this year and that was like a really really big thing in culture and um really big year politically obama's entrance to the political zeitgeist in america and his election happens this year but one thing that i discovered today that i thought was really interesting was john mccain's campaign let out this really weird ad where it's like a montage of different celebrities at like red carpet events and it's like britney spears paris hilton and barack obama (laughs) and the point yeah and the point that they were trying to suggest was that like Obama was more interested in cultivating himself as a celebrity instead of being a political leader. Yeah, that doesn't track. Yeah, and um, (laughs) I just think that it's so 2008 Mm -hmm. to think about now, like, like, imagine that being able to be used as a bad thing against someone considering our current situation. Mm -hmm. Like, Like he's shallow or something. Yeah, or like... Chasing obvious clout and power being a bad thing. Like, yeah. I mean, it is a bad thing. I miss but those days. It has not stopped anything. So, so yeah, that's pretty much it. 2007, 2008. Audrey and I are new gals at the school we're going to. We just moved to our, <laughs> like, second major town we lived in while we were pre-college. It was a good time and a bad time. Fifth grade and seventh grade. Yes. <laughs> well... In 2007, Audrey's in fifth grade. I'm in seventh grade, so on and so forth. Okay. So it's time to get into these movies now. Um, Audrey, would you care to guide us through Bratz? Yeah, so I'm the expert on Bratz. Hannah's the expert (laughs) on the click. Good. (laughs) Yay for me. (laughs) Okay, so Bratz premiered on August 3rd, 2007 in theaters, believe it or not. This summer, four inseparable friends are about to discover high school. Hi guys, I'm Meredith, student body president. There are 48 distinct cliques. The goss, the skaters, the nerds, the disco dorks, football jocks, the loners. Leave me alone. I have the seating charts right here. I think we'd rather sit together. But the lunch courtyard isn't organized that way. Don't worry, we'll figure something out. Okay. As we have established, it was based on the popular line of dolls that are a direct competitor to Barbie. If you didn't know that, I would be shocked, but, you know. (laughs) Um, Oh, yeah. I saw some tweet or something recently that was like, if you liked Bratz more than Barbie as a kid, you're a bad bitch now. Mm -hmm. I just think that's true. (laughs) We liked them both, though. We liked them both, but... um, we definitely, our imaginations were fed a lot more by Bratz. I think also it was a little bit of, we were also older when Bratz came out. So our imaginations just like had more like garbage in the disposal, if you will. <laughs> like we had more to work I don't with. know. Well, yeah. Anyway, that's just a fun, a fun little thing that mm-hmm. I enjoyed. And Bratz was originally planned to be fully animated like all their other content is. There's Bratz Rock Angels. There's a bunch of, like, episodic animated Bratz um, content. And really, honestly, this probably should have been animated too, (laughs) but it wasn't. Um, There was a setup for a sequel that was abandoned when the film bombed. Bratz had a budget of $20 and opening weekend brought in $4 Is that that bad? Huge flop. Yes, it is bad. Wait, but can't you just make that up? But, like, who cares if it's that low on opening weekend? Like, can't you just make it back up through, like, other revenue streams? 
No, four out of 20 is really bad. I mean, people think that making up like 80, you know, maybe making up like 80% of your budget is bad. So making that little, all right, it's bad. Obviously, at the end of the day with DVD sales and everything, they'll make it back up, but it's not a smashing success. Yeah, no, definitely not. Um, so Bratz was directed by Sean McNamara, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, who is mostly known as a TV producer and director for children's television. So he's produced and directed Soul Surfer, which is not TV. That's the Anna Sophia Robb <laughs> biopic. No, it's not about <laughs> Anna Sophia Robb. It's about Bethany, yeah. the surfer. I don't know what her last yeah, name is. Yeah, who lost but... her arm. To a shark? To a shark. Yeah. Oh. Um, not lol that she lost her arm, but like lol that it was a shark. Because like, what are the odds? But okay. <laughs> yes. So he also produced and directed episodes of Even Stevens, That's So Raven, and Phil of the Future. Um, which kind of explains his relationship to this genre. Mm-hmm. Bratz was written by Susan Estelle Johnson, Adam De La Pena, and David Ehlenberg. Um Why does this explain why? The writing's terrible? Because I... Okay, so I wrote down, this explains why the writing (laughs) is beyond terrible. And I said that because they're all TV writers and reality TV producers. That's weird. (laughs) So Susan was a writer-producer, and she worked on Lizzie McGuire, the Lizzie McGuire movie, Girl Meets World, and Home Improvement. That's good. I think Lizzie McGuire, that's helpful. Adam was... and maybe is, the head writer of Chelsea Handler's show, which I thought was interesting. And all his other credits were just, were small. Mm -hmm. And then David is a big producer. He produces Queer Eye. Currently? Currently. Okay. Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader, Love Island, Hell's Kitchen, The Voice, and Shark Tank. So he's like huge in that world. Wow. That's incredible home runs right there. That is big. So... Doesn't bode well for their writing, uh-huh. but, you know, good for them. Um, the critic score for Bratz was 10%. Wow. And the critical consensus is, full of mixed messages and dubious role models, Bratz is too shallow even for its intended audience. <laughs> the people, the reviewers of these movies love to shit on girls. They really do. It's so annoying. I know. Yikes. Um, there was a 48% audience score. <laughs> And I was reading through the Rotten Tomatoes um, reviews, uh-huh. and I just kept seeing the same word over and over and over again. <laughs> and it seems that people really wanted the Tweevils in this movie. What were they saying? They were just like, because all the other Bratz content has the Tweevils in it. Like, that that's their main enemy. Can you... Ali- can you explain who the Tweevils are? <laughs> if I really need to enlighten you on this, the Tweevils are twins, uh, like twin mean girls, essentially. They are they look exactly the same in animation, and they have one of them has a bandage over their nose because they have this like perpetual nose job issue. <laughs> and uh, they're just like mean in the in the way that mean girls are badly written. <laughs> That's how it is. Yes. Um but yeah, I just thought that was funny. It seemed like people were really missing the Tweevils. <laughs> I know the Tweevils were in the Game Boy Advance Rock Angels yes, game. Yes, they were. We Here's the lengthy plot synopsis. I'm ready. In case you didn't catch it <laughs> in theaters. <laughs> 
The most popular fashion dolls in America make the leap to the big screen in this live-action adventure that follows four diverse teenage girls who make the jump from middle school to high school, only to find that their four-part friendship doesn't fit into the rigid click system at their new institution. Fed up with being torn apart, the girls each reject their respective cliques and reclaim their own group, where friendship takes precedence over popularity. <laughs> It could end there, but it doesn't. <laughs> Unfortunately, this causes the school's tyrannical student body president to blow a gasket, and it looks like they'll have to fight hard for their place in the crowd. <laughs> like, what is that? <laughs> Fighting hard for their place in the crowd? Yeah, it's it's the not opposite. even like for their place on top. Their place on stage. <laughs> like, what? All right. Oh, here we go. Our favorite part, taglines. We've got three of them. I don't know why there's three. But there's three. All right. So number one, get ready, get glam, get real. <laughs> wow. Number two, for fashion, for friendship, for real. They're really harping on this real factor. Yeah. And the third one is so bad. High school is about to get a makeover. <laughs> Beautiful. Nice. And then finally here we have the cast. Most notably, I would say are Janelle Parrish and Logan Browning. Janelle Parrish is Jade, um, and she plays Mona in Pretty Little Liars, and she is the older sister in To All the Boys I've Loved Before. I knew I recognized her, but I couldn't yeah. place from where. Yeah, she is, her and Logan Browning are the most successful to this mm -hmm. day, I would say. Um, Logan Browning plays Sasha, and she is Sam in Dear White People, and she's in that horror movie with Allison Williams on <laughs> It's So Weird. What? <laughs> but they're like the two girls in this horror movie. Okay. Yeah, pretty recent. What's it called? The Perfection. Okay. Um, and then we've got Natalia Ramos as Yasmin, who was 14 when she filmed this. She looks way older. And all than the that. other girls are like 18, 19. She looks so old for being yeah. 14. It's insane. And she had small roles in Switched at Birth, and she was in House of Anubis, which I hear Ugh. is hyped by some people. Some I, people love that show. I remember hearing commercials for that show when I was babysitting many years ago. So yes. it's old. Yeah. And then we've or, got... I mean, I guess it's not that old, but whatever. It's ancient. We didn't watch it. No. That's the point. Uh, Skylar Shea plays Chloe, who I found out maybe through sketchy um, sources, is John Voight's goddaughter. Interesting. Which makes a lot of sense because John Voight is in this movie. Yeah. Um, she had a small role on Grey's Anatomy, but overall, she this is her main credit. Okay. We've got Chelsea Staub as Meredith the Mean Girl, who had small roles in Jonas Ugh. and One Tree Hill. <laughs> Um, I feel like she really would have been way more famous, but for some reason, like Ashley she Tisdale, just wasn't. like beat her to the punch. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then we've got Annalise Vanderpool as Mean Girl Number One, who obviously plays Chelsea in That's So Raven and Raven's Home. It's so random that she's in this movie. I know. It's very random. And not even in like a big part. No. Like they got they got Chelsea playing like side girl. Yeah. Sad. And then we've got um, Melise Zhao as Mean Girl 2. <laughs> I, they have character names. I just call them Mean Girl 1 and 2. Yeah. Uh, and she it plays Emma Roberts' best friend in Unfabulous. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right, right, Which right. I love. 
And then I, this list keeps going on and on. We've got Jean <laughs> Voigt as the principal, who is in a bunch of really real films, such as Midnight Cowboy, Deliverance, Anaconda, and Holes. He's Mr. Sir in Holes. So good. So if you're not a film aficionado, everyone has seen Holes. Everyone so knows and love, loves Holes. You know Holes. Mr. Sir. Yes. And then we've got Lainey Kazan as Bubby, who is Yasmin's grandmother. And she's in My Big Fat Greek Wedding 1 and 2. I'm very happy for her. Because <laughs> she's just playing herself in every movie Basically, yeah. yes. And then I wrote, we don't have time for the boys, nothing special. Literally nothing. It's true. We, well, John Voight's on there. Yeah, but I mean like the boys. Yeah, the boys. The, the love interest. Yeah, you. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so the last time I watched this movie, because we always talk about when the last time we watched a given movie is, I feel like for some reason the last time I watched this movie was really recently. I think I've seen it a weird amount of times. Yeah. And I also recently watched Julia Cudney's video talking about breasts. Yes. And why it sucks. Which we could not recommend enough. Yeah, we'll link to that in the show notes. Actually, a lot of the points that are going to come up in this podcast are essentially echoes of that video yes. because you can only have so many opinions. Right, there's just not that much to, About uh, brats. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, But the things I remember most about this movie... From childhood, I just remember that Audrey liked it way more than me, and she would want to watch it in the car all the time, yeah. and I'd be like, this movie's boring as shit, and I don't want to watch it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, mm, and... I can't defend myself. That's really all I have to say. I liked I liked Meredith's um, talent show outfit at the end. Yeah. <laughs> That's literally all, That's all I it. have. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably watched it within the past few years, but yeah, it's one of those ones that's far too ingrained in my mind. Mm-hmm. I liked their fashion at the time, <laughs> but now watching it, I'm like, 2008 just wasn't it. Well, one of the weirdest things about this movie is that it takes like zero of the fashion or aesthetic choices yeah. that the dolls would make. yeah. And we'll talk about that later. I have more to say about that. Okay. Like, yeah. there's just, it, they're so generic in the movie. It's mm-hmm. crazy. Um, what else do you remember? I remember everything. Okay. <laughs> so she remembers everything. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Okay. Now we'll move on to Ooh, the click. The click. Okay. Here we go. New York Times best-selling book series by Lisey Harrison. Meet The Click. Do you guys know where room 41 is? Claire, did I invite you to my BBQ? No. Then why are you all up in my grill? <laughs> the only thing harder than getting in is staying in. I didn't realize Peter Pan was holding auditions today. I hope we get the part. These books were really, really popular. I remember basically... Every girl that was in my class in, like, seventh grade and eighth grade tore through these books. Like, every week they would have a different installment of the series with them. And it was always the same, always a different kind of plaid on the front with, like, a different stylistic picture of, like, teen girls whispering to each other. And it was like shopping at Aeropostale 
you would read the click books. Like it just it was like a basic trait before we knew what being basic was. <laughs> yeah. Um that's just the truth. <laughs> um so I tried to get some information about just how many copies of this book sold because to me it felt like almost as pervasive as like Twilight or Harry Potter like Audrey shaking her head no. Not in the fact that it, it was wasn't. like a huge <laughs> cultural craze in the same way, but like I felt like, I mean, in a world where kids are constantly forced to do like reading for fun, these books were just like the go-to, which yeah. I will. Um, which was fun. Yeah. Which So here's some information just from Wikipedia talking about like the success of the books. So the click was selected as a quick pick for reluctant young adult readers by Yalsa. I don't know what Yalsa is. Probably like <laughs> Young Adult Literature Sister Act. Uh, School Academy. <laughs> yeah. So And then some of the books got nominated for various awards. The most successful installment of the click was called Best Friends Forever. And um, in 2005, it sold 150,000 copies, over 200,000 in 2006, and over 150,000 in 2007. So That's wild. That's pretty good. I also did a little bit of research um, on YouTube for this movie because, again, uh, the amount of information out there about how this movie was made or, like, the production process was pretty limited. Um, but one pretty informative thing I found was a vlog or, I guess, like a – no, I guess it's a vlog – by Ellen Marlowe, who played Claire, but it was her, like, <laughs> six years after the movie, just, like, oh, answering, wow. like, FAQs that she gets about the movie. Ooh, I want to watch that. Yeah, she literally is exactly the same, and she's kind of hateable also, which was interesting. <laughs> I'm sorry. if she, she won't hear this, but maybe she would. Mm. That was a mean thing to say. Yeah. Uh, the click is rubbing off on me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just wonder if that was really the truth. Like, I – because basically what she said was um, that – the click is Mean Girls for Middle Schoolers, which is very true. And I guess I'm just wondering whether it actually was that fun because she was talking about how, like, when they were filming, it was six weeks and that they, like, stayed in a hotel together and all would, like, swim at the pool together. And it was, like, a fun little, like, life imitates art moment, basically. And I was just kind of like, do they really get along that well? Because they don't talk anymore. And she says that in the video. She's like, you know, people grow apart. They, they probably didn't feel that strongly about each other. Yeah. I doubt it was a hatred. Yeah. Um, the other interesting thing that she said was that apparently, like, everyone in L.A. ages 11 to 16 auditioned for this movie. And now, like, a lot of the people that auditioned for it are, like, very famous, which she finds amusing. She yeah. said that she would have to memorize up to 40 pages of sides just for the auditions Wow! for this movie. She said it was the most grueling audition process she's ever been involved in. Wow. And apparently, um, once she finally got casted, they had hours and hours of rehearsals before they got to set. She made it seem like it was a good thing. So there's that. Yeah. Okay, anyway. So the click was released direct-to-video on November 11th, 2008. It was directed by Michael Lembeck, who directed 24 episodes of Friends, uh, the creepy reboot, because I always think of the Christy Alley Tooth Fairy, but this was uh, with Vin Diesel, the 2010 no, Tooth thank Fairy, you. Uh, Santa Claus 3, Sharpay's Fabulous Adventure, and just a bunch of other... Uh, <laughs> Paid dust. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he just did a lot of TV and a lot of like weird movies or like direct-to-video stuff. The story was written by Lisey Harrison, who's the woman who wrote the series of novels. She also wrote 
I guess at some point there was like a TV series in development that she was working on based off the series, but I don't know. And randomly she wrote for the Tyra Banks show, which is does, not random. Well, it's her only credit other than working on the click books, which does make sense because Tyra is the executive producer of this movie. It's her only scripted producing credit other than Life Size 2. Apparently, Tyra Banks picked up the ClickBooks and was like, I couldn't get enough. Like, she was, like, a really big Very strange. fan of the books, which, like, it makes sense because she's weird. And one trend that I noticed during her press tour for this movie was that she kept using interviews as an opportunity to talk about her getting bullied in middle school, which, like, makes sense. But also, like, no one wants to hear Tyra Banks, like, talk about it. I don't really know. But... In one of the interviews, she was like, yeah, this movie has a lot of underlying depth to it. Like, it's about issues with weight, issues with acceptance, and wanting to stay on top, which begs the question, wanna be on top (laughs) from America's Sex Top Model? So, yeah, Tyra was, like, on set the whole time. It just seemed like a very interesting experience. But to circle back, the other woman who helped write this, her name is Liz Tigelar. She adapted the novel into this movie and she's like a very uh very much a heavyweight champion of film and tv she was the executive producer of all the episodes of little fires everywhere she produced two episodes of the morning show which is like that weird show that came out i watched it whoever's in it who's in it jennifer aniston and steve carell is it good no okay (laughs) uh she also produced a ton of nashville and once upon a time and Reese Witherspoon. Sorry, I had oh, to say yeah, that. Yeah. Nashville might have jogged your memory. Once upon a time, Melrose Place. She has a very long and established career in TV. She's probably friends with Reese Witherspoon. That's what I'm getting from this list. Yeah, probably. This movie earned a 58% audience score and had no critic consensus. Tragic. And there were four reviews and they were all, like, nothing to really speak of. So yeah. there wasn't a whole lot of content for this one in that <laughs> category. But the plot synopsis of this movie. Okay, so what's the plot synopsis for the clip? Okay, so Massey Block is the leader of a small group of privileged schoolgirls who arrogantly call themselves the Pretty Committee. But Massey's life takes an unexpected turn when her parents' friends, a lower-middle-class family with a self-assured daughter named Claire, (laughs) move into the block's guest house, and Claire threatens to undermine the superficial Massey's position in the clique. That would be Claire. Claire. They call her Claire the whole time, (laughs) which is annoying. And I wrote a note that just feels important to me, which is that... um. The school they go to is Octavian Country Day School, which is, uh, they they abbreviate it to OCD. And then when I was on Wikipedia researching about the books, the uh, local boys' school is called ADD. So those schools just... are OCD and ADD. And I'm like, there's no way that's coincidence. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It's a weird choice to make. But yeah. It, it was made. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense because they do make weird jokes about, like, taking your meds and not taking your meds in these books. Yeah, so, it's weird. Whatever. Audrey, can you please read the tagline of this movie? So, this is probably one of, I feel, one of the better ones that we've read. Yeah, I actually agree. And the tagline is, the only thing harder than getting in is staying in. Mm. <laughs> Of the click, that is. Lol. Okay. 
Oh, this is really a slog. This movie just does not have a lot of spice. No, for, um, it in the informational category, at least. Let's just race through this cast here. Yeah. So Elizabeth McLaughlin plays Massey Block. Cool. <laughs> uh, she was in Pretty Little Liars as Leslie Stone, and she was also in Betrayal. I didn't watch Pretty Little Liars, so that means nothing to me. But I know it probably does to all of you. Ellen Marlowe plays Claire. Um, in my mind, she's fake Anna Sophia Robb. Yeah. And that's all I wrote. It's very accurate. Uh, Sophie, Sophie, uh, <laughs> Sophie Anna Everhard <laughs> plays Dylan Marvel. <laughs> what? And that's pretty much it. She, there's not a whole lot else she's done. Uh, I wrote no under her name. Uh, That's so mean. I know. I think she went to college. That was like her thing. Like she decided to go to college instead of like. Okay. We love that. Yeah. Samantha Boscarino plays Alicia Rivera. She's had a lot of random TV roles and she was also in Good Luck Charlie. To me, knock off Vanessa Hudgens. Yes. Knock off Vanessa Hudgens. (laughs) Weird because they like kind of allude to her being a Latina, but then they like don't ever actually say anything about it. Yep. And obviously Samantha Boscarino is probably white, but I guess I don't know. Whatever. And then we have Bridget Mendler as Kristen Gregory, who in my head is fake Panna Baker. But I guess Bridget Mendler kind of became her own person. Yeah. Because Good Luck Charlie. I recognized her name when I saw it. Yeah. Um, but she was Teddy in Good Luck Charlie and Juliet in Wizards of Waverly Place and apparently in Lemonade Mouth. Mm-hmm. All of this stuff was slightly after my time on Disney Channel. Yeah. And then we have Vanessa Morano as Lane Abley. She was April Nardini on Gilmore Girls. Oh, my God. She was on The Young and the Restless. And she was one of the main people in Switched at Birth. And you know what? Now that I'm thinking about it. I might be wrong, but I feel like she was the younger sister on... She's not sisterhood, or I'm not sisterhood. um, I was thinking sisterhood, too. uh, Secret Life? Secret Life, no. Okay, but doesn't she seem like her? Yeah, but that's not her. Okay. You got me on that one. I'm pretty sure that's not her. Um, Also, Liz Gillies has a little cameo. Oh, right, right, right. There's, like, no reason why Liz Gillies doesn't have really, like, Massey's part. Um, She should have had Massey's part. She can pull off mean so easily. No, she, like, looks mean. She looks mean and she commands a room. Yeah. The first scene of this movie was so bad, I couldn't even believe it. It's kind of weird that it starts off with Massey. You just wouldn't well, expect that. Massey's the main character. We'll oh. get into this more. Okay, so <laughs> okay. now that we've dumped all that information on you that was not entirely stimulating, we're going to take so a break <laughs> and then we're going to come back. We are going to put these movies in the ring and we're going to... They're going to duke it out. Duck some analysis. <laughs> Um, Be right back. Be right back. You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes, and luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story. My name is Aaron Calafato, and I'm the creator of 7-Minute Stories. I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts. And I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey. I'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style. And together, we're going to try to make sense of the world, all through the art of storytelling and all in approximately seven minutes. We 
just had to sing the entire Zoe 101 theme song <laughs> to get ourselves back, but we're here. So, Audrey, are you ready to discuss? Are you ready? Mm, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Between Bratz and the Click, which movie had better characters? They're both pretty bad. Mm, um, I... Th- it's like impossible to answer this question. We got to get a, we got to, because yes, they're both pretty bad. They're all pretty unlikable. Okay. Maybe we could adjust it as which movie had um, more defined characters. Yeah. More defined. Hmm. <laughs> I feel like. Uh, it's a really hard call because the strengths of one movie are the weaknesses of another. I think. What does that mean in this context? Like. I guess the click has more defined characters, at least. I don't know. 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 Like, it's really hard to say. Uh, okay, well, since we're struggling so much to come up with an answer, um, do you, uh, should we make the leap to say that both these movies suffer from a real lack of <laughs> dimension in their characters? Yeah, completely. Yeah, like they're either mean or they're nice. And they're Except either rich Claire, or maybe. they're poor. <laughs> Except for Claire, maybe. Yeah, Claire's We're being like, nice and mean. <laughs> yeah, Claire's a little bit harder to categorize, but I feel like it, it feels like a grid where there's four quadrants and it's nice, mm-hmm. mean, rich, poor. Yeah. It's also really difficult to judge. The only barometer we have for judging characters is based on what they do and what they say. And a lot of times, I have no idea. But just say, you know, just saying that. Like their interactions, like their meaningful interactions with other characters. But just going off of our only barometer, like going off of these guys, (laughs) we only have, we can literally only judge these characters by what they do and what they say. And what they do and what they say usually doesn't make sense. (laughs) This is like the most painful question of all time. Okay. Right? I mean, nothing that... That's how movies work. Specifically in Bratz, I feel that nothing that the characters do really makes sense based off of who you think they are. Okay, like, what's an example of of that? Like, (laughs) when Meredith the Mean Girl tries to blackmail and succeeds in blackmailing Yasmin, she's like, you can't be in the talent show because I'm going to expose all your friends and their dirty secrets that literally aren't dirty secrets. Right. Why wouldn't you just go to them and be like, Meredith's blackmailing me? There is no reason as to why she has to then go to the rehearsal where the other brats are rehearsing and be like, I guess I'm just not feeling it anymore. Like, what? (laughs) Yeah, right, 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 right. Even if she was going to lie to them, clearly this is really on my mind. (laughs) Even if she was going to lie to them, she could have just been like, um, she could have just been like, I'm too insecure to sing at the talent show, so let's not do it. Right, that would have made sense. Instead of, I just don't want to anymore. Yeah. When literally Yasmin's only trait is that she likes to sing but is too afraid to do it. Right. That doesn't make sense. Like, what? Yeah, right. um, I will say that in the click, 
everything that everyone does in that movie is actually pretty well grounded in logic. Yeah. Because yeah. it's all the there's no like grant I mean, there are some schemes in the clique, but there's no like huge overarching public humiliation schemes. And when there's almost public humiliation in the end, Claire saves Massey mm-hmm. from herself. And we'll come back to this point. I want to put a bookmark in that and come back later. I just want to talk about that so badly. What about it? The, just that I'm subject? I'm just so tired of the trope of, like, these unknown projectors having this rare content. Like, this has happened unknown in multiple... <laughs> what? <makes sense. laughs> like, there... Are multiple movies that we have watched during this podcast where, for some reason, a projector oh, just comes you mean like, on. Like stuff is just revealed in front yeah. of a crowd randomly. It's like, who's the tech guy? Yeah, right. <laughs> where are these projectors coming from that are like routing live news? There and was stuff? no projectors at the auction at the end of the click. No, but there are projectors in Bratz. There are projectors. Why are you randomly hijacking my point to there talk are, about projectors? Because you were talking about humiliation. Okay. And that's always what the projectors come back yeah, to. Yeah, you're, you're right. Sorry. The click, again, based in logic, does not have any it random have projectors. It doesn't have random projectors. The whole point of the movie is that it's about, like, the unflinching evil of middle schoolers. And therefore, all of their really ruthless actions make sense. Okay. This did not give us an answer about character definedness. I guess it's the click, though. It's the click if I had to choose. Because you could, like, actually give some traits to each of the girls that yeah. is real. I can think of, like, one or two solid character traits about each of the girls. Yeah. I don't think I could really do that with Bratz. I, I mean, mean, you, you can, can, but it's the stereo. It's it's, it's the all stereotypical. stereotype from the doll, you know? And hardly. I mean, it's not like the not dolls even, have hobbies though. like that. No, the dolls are just like fashion hoes. That's like their point. That's the point. Yeah. However, you don't see one single crop top in this movie. Which is so wrong. How? We are going to get to that point. <laughs> okay, we kind of... The next question was which movie had a better plot, but I feel like we kind of just <laughs> spoke to it. It's the click. Uh, the click... The click is structurally sound. Um, it doesn't weirdly resolve itself at the 30-minute mark and then drag on for another hour the way that Bratz does. Yeah. Bratz has a two-year time skip at the 30-minute mark. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. Yeah. And it's so jarring. The entire movie could have been them dealing with their separation, I guess, the the separation of their friend group during their freshman year Mm -hmm. and dealing with that. It could have just been that, but instead they decide to have them completely separate and be like not even friends at all Mm -hmm. after the two years. And then they have to like find their way back to each other through a food fight. Oh yeah. There's a lot in this plot that's hinged upon a food fight. And there's so much that would have worked as an animation that does not work in a live action movie. Like what's an example? Like the physical gags of the food fight. Um, Pretty much everything that happens actually is not, it could very well, oh, Great example. I think I know what you're going to say. When Jade changes. Uh-huh. Her friends are supposed to be huddling around her, covering her while she changes because her parents don't know that she has a passion for fashion. <laughs> so she shows up to school wearing like regular clothes. And then as soon as they leave, she's like, girls, get around me. I'm changing. <laughs> yeah. And then she changes. But 
like there is no physically possible way that the girls could surround her while she changes her entire outfit. It's a very uh, it's a very animated thing. And it totally yes. would work if it was animated because it doesn't matter if it's possible or not. Yes. There's so many things about it. Chloe being stereotyped as the klutz, but then being able to do like ninja soccer moves. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense. It's not great. It's, it's not, not great. good. Um, <laughs> and the click, like... The click is small scale, but makes sense. At least it makes sense. The only real plot hang up I had with the click was I don't understand how Claire and Massey could both get so relatively deep into their crushes on uh, that guy and not realize that he had a girlfriend. And wasn't his name is Chris. Chris Abley. Isn't Chris Abley also a dick for like literally asking Massey on a date at the beginning? Did he? Yeah. He was like, oh, it's a date. Yeah, you know, it can all be taken into – he was just saying it's a date. I thought it was so funny how they were trying to portray Chris Abley as this, like, basically adult. Like, by the time you figure out he has a girlfriend, it's like yeah. he's so old and mature. It's like he's not even in the picture. He's not even in the realm <laughs> of what we could – who we could aspire to date, you know? Right, 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 right. He's like a Raymond in Aquamarine. Literally, exactly like that. Yeah. But – um. <laughs> oh, that makes me excited to talk about Aquamarine. Yeah, oh, man. It's soon. It's very soon. It's coming up. Um. Okay. So. Do, 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 oh. do, do, do. And speaking, actually, of that exact Jade situation, mm -hmm. we have the equivalent to that in the Click movie, where a girl must change her clothes outside of the house. Yes, yes. There's another situation where parents are not aware of a passion for fashion <laughs> and someone's got to strip off their tracksuit. In the driveway. In the driveway to reveal their blouse and skirt. Like, it wasn't even an edgy outfit. Except no. she had, like, knee-high boots that were really, like, strappy, but they weren't even, like, skanky. Well, it didn't – I don't think it does – I don't is know. Is it about <laughs> hiding the passion for fashion or is it about no, not looking a like a hoe? <laughs> These are the questions that keep me up at night. <laughs> like, I can't tell. Like, so That also, speaking of uh, dressing inappropriately, uh, that reminds me of my favorite line in the entire movie, which is when at some point Claire, who's like – the one who no one likes, is uh, at the store with, like, the other girls in the clique. And they're looking oh for a God. dress for this auction, which is, like, the, the climax, basically, is, like, when they all go to this auction at the end. And Clara goes, whatever the girl's name is, like, let's say it's Alicia. I don't even know who it is. Alicia Dillon. Or I think it's Dillon. The ginger? I literally – it doesn't okay. matter. Basically, <laughs> Claire says – I thought you already had a totally slutty dress for yeah. the auction. <laughs> I was like, what? I know. There's some moments in the click where we're like, what? Yeah, or like the best, the other, no, the other best line is when it's like after the first day of school and Massey's been bullying Claire all day. And Claire's like, I just wish you would stop acting like a, like a, and Massey's like, like what? And in my brain, I was like, like a bitch. But she won't say that. It's a kid's movie. And then she goes, I don't know. Like a bitch? And I was like, <laughs> like what? <laughs> it was awesome. I texted yeah. Audrey and was like, this can't be happening. Yeah, say that line and a totally slutty dress. I thought you already had a totally slutty <laughs> dress for the auction. Like, I, I almost, like, appreciated it. I was like, yeah. this is just so 
bold. Like they really just came out and said it, but okay. I totally saw it. <laughs> okay. Audrey, in your opinion, which of these movies aged better? I will come right out and say The Click basically came very close to having nothing yeah, that, there, that set off my alarms. There's one thing that set off. Well, there was, like, some stuff that didn't make sense to me. I think the first thing was there was, like, random moments of using Spanish where it seemed like they were, like, shitting on one of their classmates for speaking Spanish or, like, being Latina. But, like, her name was Lane. There was just, like, a weird moment with Spanish where I was, like, are they, like, being rude? To her? Or are they, like, speaking Spanish to be cool? I can't tell. I don't even remember that. Um, I rewound it a couple times because I was like, what? Mm-hmm. There's also, like, a very, 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 very classic string of, like, dieting jokes in this movie. Yes. Like, I'm trying to cut back. Or, like, my mom wants me to be a size four and I'm a size six. Like, stuff and, like that. And that's supposed to be Dylan, one of the girl's storylines. Is that, that her like, mom? fat, but she's literally not. But her mom, like, because when they're in the store... Dylan and her mom are, like, fighting over this dress she wants or something. These pants. Yeah, pants. And and she's like, nah, 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 whatever. But, yeah, that is a storyline. But it's just not – it's not well done. It's not. No, it's not. Um, um, but what really – what set my alarms off was when they go into the dressing room and the girls come out. Oh, yeah. They come out laughing while uh, Dylan and Claire are talking. And they're like, we just – we They're just like, saw, um, you won't believe this. We just walked in on a random dude trying on women's clothing. I was like, <gasps> and then they like never talk about it again. It's mm-hmm. like a weird throwaway line. Yeah. It, and that's why it really set off my alarm bells. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. That was just weird. Yes. Very um, weird. And I was like, they just didn't have to say that. Also, like, that seems like some shit that you would talk about again. You could have said literally anything else. It could have been like... You could have been like, look who just texted me. Or like, Massey got locked in the room. Yeah. Like, literally anything. <laughs> it didn't have to be that. No. I also just want to say my favorite fashion moment of this movie is uh, when Claire is able to get, like, a cool outfit for the first day of school. And yeah. her t-shirt says, good girls go to Orlando, bad girls go to Miami. And she's from Florida, which makes it even worse. Yeah, I thought that was so funny. And it's she's got this belt over her long t-shirt. Oh, she And did? these white, white, tight, skinny jeans. Oh, oh, it was rough. oh, oh. Okay, what do you think about Bratz in terms of... <laughs> Cinematography? No, we're still talking about whether it was dated or not. Oh, um, Bratz dates fine because it cannot offend anyone because it does not say anything <laughs> about anything. <laughs> I do feel like there is very good hard of hearing representation in that movie. Oh yeah, that what that actually is the one thing mm-hmm. is we have um Yasmin's love interest is deaf, but <laughs> with that <laughs> It's kind of a half-hearted job <laughs> of representation. Like, I appreciate that it's there, but I noticed something in one of the scenes. <laughs> in, mold, in many of the scenes, actually, what? that he's in. So, the running, like... <laughs> I'm nervous. Like, what we come to understand through the movie is that he can hear music through vibrations like he'll put his he, that's why he likes to dj like he can like 
<laughs> put the headphones on his neck and feel the vibrations. He can put his hand on the speaker. And so he is saying that that's how he can tell that Yasmin can, is a good singer, basically. And anyway, so that's how we we are led to believe that he cannot hear unless he's feeling vibrations. Yeah. Or he can he's also reading lips. Mm-hmm. But um and he can speak sign language. He speaks sign language at one point in the yeah. movie. Yes, he does. However, nobody ever signs to him, which sucks. Yeah. And there's a scene at <laughs> Meredith's Sweet 16 party where Meredith has just invited Yasmin up on stage to sing because of this incriminating video that she had. She's like, I've heard that Yasmin can sing. Yasmin, come on up here. She goes up there. She's about to sing, but she can't. She's like too awkward. She can't do it. (laughs) And they start playing like La Cucaracha (laughs) because that's in the video. Like, you know how the video is her and her grandma dancing to La Cucaracha. So (laughs) so the DJ like starts playing La Cucaracha. It's like a a live band or something. You just said the DJ starts playing Cucaracha. But it might be a live band. It's unclear. (laughs) Anyway, What's his name? Dylan? Yeah. Dylan somehow gathers that La Cucaracha is playing and begins the conga line. Well, you know, maybe the maybe it's loud enough that the table is vibrating. Yeah, maybe. I just, he starts like Latin dancing before anybody else. And I was like, I just, I, I don't know about you that. You have questions. I have questions. And I have one more. Sorry, this is taking so long. But I legit was like, what? <laughs> the scene where Yasmin goes into the rehearsal with the brats and tells them she's not going to do it anymore after being blackmailed. She's talking <laughs> to the three brats on stage and she's out in the house, like in one of the aisles. And Dylan is up on stage with the three brats. Why? No, no, because he's like rehearsing with them. Why? He's because he's, he's like Why? the DJ for the performance. So anyway, nobody signs to him at all. Yasmin's like 200 feet away. (laughs) And somehow Dylan gathers what's going on without... Was he lip reading? I mean, Yasmin's literally so far away. If he has 2020 vision, maybe. But like... (laughs) Justin Timberlake. It just was like... Yeah, anyway. I just was like questioning the the logistics of that. Okay, that, that is respectable. (laughs) wow (laughs) i'm so sorry wow 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 okay honestly that was a fun journey for me so i hope everyone else feels that way too uh okay which movie looked better wait hold on so it sounds like pretty equal dated wise i guess brass was probably better yeah they but they also i'm remembering now they do have this kind of strange amount of police presence at the high school (laughs) All right. And uh, I'm just like, why? Like, and and there's a shot of the principal, John Voigt, professor, I mean, principal Dimly. <laughs> principal Dimly. He's reading this book, and the, the name of the book is How to Run a Prison. Oh, well, it's a running joke that it's like high school's prison. Yeah. I was I like, still that's think just on the nose. Click, I guess, is worse. Yeah, the click is probably slightly worse. It's like white stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, which movie looks better? The click looks like shit. The click looks like yeah. Secret Life of the American The TV click Ranger. looks really bad. It looks like an ABC Family TV show. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, maybe worse, honestly. 
if you're ever just feeling down and you want to get a good laugh, look at the background of Secret Life of the American Teenager. Look out the, the high school hallway doors. <laughs> a backdrop of trees <laughs> and the sky. And it's just like not moving at all. It's just not even, they didn't even try. It's just literally like a mural. <laughs> with, with the light on is it. it like, oh, I was going to say, is it lit? It's so funny. But anyway. I will definitely look it up. <laughs> yeah. Um, You're making noise with your script there. What looks better? Which, Brass looks better. Yeah, Brass looks better by default. Literally every single scene in the click is lit the exact same way. Yeah. Brass is very saturated as well. It has like... A but cartoony like, look. There are to performance it. scenes. There are outdoor scenes. Yeah, they, they they put more thought into it. The click is very camera A, camera B, reverse shot type. Yes, vibe. I also forgot to say that there's a skateboard collision in the click, and it looks like someone really should have gotten severely injured <laughs> by the way it's choreographed, and they're both just totally fine. Yeah, they're just I like they're weird. just like whoa. Oh, hey. <laughs> yeah, I thought of that because outdoor scenes. There's not that many in the click, but the ones that do exist also kind of look like hell. Yeah. Okay, Brass looks better. So we're finally getting to our last and most perhaps intriguing question about these two God movies. God knows we're in need of some intrigue. Yeah, God knows. <laughs> so we're wondering which movie teaches a better lesson. Brats that is about a nice click or the click that is about a mean click. Or the word click I just said so many times. Should I say? Or the. Should I say it again? No. Or the click. So. I think. What do we think? I think that the click does a better job of teaching a lesson. Honestly, same. Because there's no lesson in Bratz. <laughs> There is, they're going for a lesson in Bratz, but it's so clouded by this plot that has like five different sections. Yeah. And you don't know what they're trying to say. It's like a Shakespearean play. Yeah. Like, I kind of feel like it is possible if there was a good example. Like, I could see a nice click movie doing a better job in different ways. Might I say Scissor of the Traveling Pants? Yes. That is a nice click movie. Exactly. With an obvious point. Yes. We also never see them in school, though. So, like, the power of a click doesn't really exist if you don't see them within, in, like, a bigger In a society. <laughs> yeah, or, like, amongst their peers. Right. That's true. Um, yeah, but exactly like that. The, the depth that we can get out of Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, obviously, they're very different movies for different audiences. I mean, not that different of audiences, but I think a little older. It's kind of like... Filet mignon or, like, a fucking corn dog. Yeah, it's like, like... They're both good, but just, like, in different ways. Yeah. I, I just... I saw some review where a mom was, like, bashing on the click because this is teaching our daughters exactly what not to do instead of teaching them what to do. And I could see that point, but... I agree. I, I agree, but I think that the impact of... The ending where Massey's about to embarrass herself in such a profound way, which if you're wondering what that is, it's rolling out in the middle of her family's fancy auction in a giant cake wearing a tank top that says, I love Chris <laughs> Abley in a context where his girlfriend is there and also 
Can we talk about the whole jumping out of the cake thing? Like, that feels so sexualized and weird to me. It was, like, psycho. It was really crazy. I was like, if you were going to build up something to be that ridiculous, like, that is a Regina George move in a world that is not as campy or big as Regina George. Regina George would not jump out of a cake. Not in front of people. I mean, maybe in middle school. She you know who have. would? Lola Step would jump out of a cake. Yeah, Lola Step. Would She's have done campy that. enough to get it. Yeah, it just made no sense for Massey to do that. But the overall yeah, point is, she's so obsessed with not looking lame, and that was going. Even if he was single, like what would happen? That would have been the lamest thing ever. <laughs> like it was so weird. But um, I guess really when Claire's like, okay, I'm gonna save Massey from herself. And then they talk about it afterward. Uh, it's a good lesson. I that guess. feels a lot deeper to me than anything else that happens in Brad. And this movie ends so abruptly. The click ends so abruptly. It does. Massey gives her a flower. Claire goes home with the flower. Her mom comes in the room and is like, who's the flower from? Claire's like, Massey. And that's the end. <laughs> and no, it's like, Massey. And she's like, I hope it lasts. And, and she's the mom's like, like Massey or the flower. And she's like... Massey. Cut. (laughs) I literally don't even remember what she said. Yeah. Um, It's so weird. I do think that this movie does demonstrate some deeply, 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 deeply evil bullying tactics, particularly the period faking scene. Yeah. um, Where... They do really mean shit to her. They're really mean to her. And she's just like has this dumb smile on her face. I'm like, why is Claire so resilient? She has the dumbest smile on her face like 80% (laughs) of the time. And it's like, honestly, it kind of feels like, you know, those punching bags that like immediately roll back up when you hit them. That's kind of what she feels like. I mean, I think it is realistic. There are definitely situations where girls just want to be accepted into a friend group so badly. And that's what, you know, Mean Girls is. And Mean Girls does a good job of that. Of explaining it. Well, and I do want to say there is one part in the click that really stood out to me, which is near the end where Claire and Lane, Lane's like her one normal friend, talking about Claire's apologizing to Lane for having ditched her and for having gotten sucked into the pretty committee and all that. And she's like... I don't know what makes them so special, but, like, I just really wanted to be part of them. Like, I wanted to get what I want when I want, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And Lane's like, they're only so special because they believe they're so special. Mm-hmm. And on one hand, I was like, okay, yes. But on the other hand, I'm like, they're all so insecure. Yeah. They're just, like, willing to be mean and no one else is. Mm-hmm. Honestly, when I think of middle school, I think – about how so many people are so deeply in transition that they won't even be able to remember those years. Yeah. And I feel like that kind of, like, takes some of the gravitas out of how mean the girls are in the clique. Yeah, it's, like, less decidedly mean, Because you're just, like, of course they're insane. You're just, like, floating around. Yeah. Yeah, it's strange to have a mean girls middle school version because it feels very... Just watch eighth grade, guys. Yeah, really just watch eighth grade <laughs> instead and you'll get the same – you'll get a way better experience and, like, I would rather have eighth graders watch a rated R eighth grade than Me watch too. the click. Because their lives are rated R. Yeah. Like, kids – eighth graders, like, they know they know way more. I know. I teach a bunch of eighth graders at my job and, like – think they do. They really know. Yeah. And, like, they've had internet their whole lives. Yeah. They're, they're, they're in it. They yeah. know. There was something I wanted to say. It was relevant. I think the other thing with Bratz, too, is that 
Bratz just feels like a fantasy. Like, there's nothing accessible about it. Whereas, okay, my other point's coming back to me. The thing that always confused me about The Click and why it was so popular was, why would you want to read a grueling account of middle (laughs) school bullying when you're in middle school most likely getting bullied? Yeah. Like, I know that there's... Too close to home. Yeah, and like... I know that there's a lot of power in, like, seeing yourself in your favorite book or your favorite movie or your favorite music. But, like, why wouldn't you just want to read something that, like, reflects something better than, like, the worst parts of your current existence? Yeah. (sighs) I just... I mean, I, I can see wanting to read it more than wanting to watch it. Yeah, but, like... At least it's a little more internal. I kind internal. of feel like the reason why you'd want to read it is for, like, weird, like, schadenfreude of, like, seeing a different seventh grade girl getting shat on worse than you mm-hmm. and it being, like, vaguely fashionable. And, like, you remember how, like, maybe you don't remember this. Maybe this isn't true for everyone, but I feel like it's true. Like, how certain girls read certain books in middle school. Like, there was, like branding involved in, like, the book that you would carry around. Yeah. Yeah, probably. And I feel I like mean, certainly Twilight had that. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of image. Especially at the beginning. And yeah. I just feel like this book, like, the only people that would read these books when I was in middle school were, like, mean girls or girls who were, like, bullied or girls who, like, thought that they were cool. <laughs> It's weird that a book could have a real-life brand like that in a middle school. Yeah. I want to read a think piece about books as accessories in middle school. Yeah. That is interesting to me. Mm -hmm. I mean, the way that they designed it definitely – Appealed. They like intentionally made it look Burberry-ish. Mm-hmm. Cause that they was made such the a book moment. look designer. Yeah, because they talk about designers so much in books. But <gasps> okay, so we need to wrap this up. Holy fuck! And there are so many things we didn't even touch on plot like wise, but the plots are psycho. So we They're don't not need, even worth it. We don't need to talk about them. The lip gloss. <laughs> the- oh my god. <laughs> okay. Yeah. What? Just can I just put it in one sentence? Yeah. When they say they're making lip gloss with peanut oil in it, the first thing I think is, that's going to go badly. Audrey has a peanut allergy. (laughs) That's exactly what happened. And, uh, yeah, so they make these lip glosses with peanut oil in them. Everyone on the bus has an allergic reaction. And then for some reason, oatmeal stops it. Yeah, I'm like, guys. Like, that's not how it works, but They need epinephrine. Right. (laughs) I mean, it might soothe it, but it won't, like, help you. Oh, you know what I remembered is the in and outless. That ma- that Massey writes. She writes. Oh in yeah, 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 yeah. And she'd be. And I remembered the story beat of like out Claire in pause Claire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. remembered that. Yeah, that's that's like basically <laughs> the one wholesome part of this. Yeah, movie. that's like the one cute thing of this entire movie. Yeah, agreed. Honestly, at the end, I was like, are they gonna like have a crush on each other now? I was like, honestly, I had that thought, too. I was like, it's kind of cute. Yeah, I had that thought, too. Like, why are they kind of cute right now? (laughs) That's that's the version we want. Yeah. But it's not the version we get. No. (laughs) Okay, so here we are. One sentence each. Which movie is still worth watching in 2020? I want to say neither. Uh, (laughs) But I think The Click. The Click. (laughs) Because... Because at least it's grounded in reality. <laughs> Agreed. 
And you can get anything you can get from Bratz that's worthwhile from watching High School Musical. Yeah. Yeah. It's a click thing. The second thing. one, especially. It's a click thing. Mm-hmm. Damn. Okay, well, we've made it to the end of this episode somehow, by the grace of God. Um, we have only two more episodes this season, which is unbelievable. It feels like we've been doing this forever. Um, but we have a very, very special episode, including two special guests next week. Um, everyone get their vocal cords warmed up is all I will say. And then we have a grand finale um, that we're very excited about. So if you know us, you know what it you is. You probably know what it is. Um, but, okay, if you love Bratz or if you love The Click and you're mad that we made this um, – we kind of slandered them. We kind of slandered them. Please <laughs> let us know by tweeting at us at Two Pink Pictures or sending us a DM on Two Pink Pictures on Instagram. Um, or you can email us, twopinkpictures at gmail.com. Let us know what movies you want us to do, any movies that you uh, want to share your thoughts on. We would love to hear. And please don't lose your passion for fashion. Please. <laughs> Even if you have to keep it in the closet. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> you can find more from us at evergreenpodcast.com slash sleepover dash cinema and keep up with our latest creative projects at tupingpictures.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at tupingpictures and would love to hear from you there. And if you like the show, if it brings back evocative memories of childhood or tweendom or babysitting, share an episode of your choice with your friends. And maybe even leave us an iTunes review telling us what movie you'd like to see us cover next. Sleepover Cinema is a production of Evergreen Podcasts and is edited and produced by me, Hannah Ray Leach. Special thanks to mixing engineer Sean Rule Hoffman and executive producers Michael D'Aloya and David Moss. Our show music is by Josh Perlman Hall. We'll chat again soon. Bye. Hi, I'm Christina Yerling Biro, host of the podcast Pop Culture Confidential. Join me as I go way behind the scenes with some of the most influential people in entertainment and media. Hear actors such as Succession's Brian Cox talk about his favorite characters to play. There always has to be a mystery. The audience have to be in a situation where they want to know what's going on. Meet studio execs like Pixar chief Pete Docter and learn his secret on how he makes us cry. Emotion is our first language. And so many others who are defining popular culture, from Obama speechwriter David Litt to Top Chef host Padma Lakshmi. We don't often think about food politically or we don't want to, but it really is. Join me. Search for Pop Culture Confidential wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.